0: That's ixl.com slash be. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to do list. I am your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. I just want to take a minute and remind you to check out ConradChallenge.org and look at the kinds of things you can do to support students. The Conrad Challenge is really about facilitating 21st century skills of creativity, collaboration, critical thinking, communication. So go and check that out at ConradChallenge.org. And if you missed my interview with Nancy Conrad, go check that out as well at TransformativePrinciple.org slash Nancy Conrad.
1: Hey there, this is Danny Sunshine Bauer from Better Leaders, Better Schools and the School Leadership Series, a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Transformative
0: Principle. I am excited to have Dr. Eric Shigela on the podcast today. I'm going to do a little intro before I get to the interview, which is me describing the things that we saw and heard at his school so that when I get into the interview, there's a little more context and you understand it a little better. So I hope you enjoy this intro to Vista Innovations Design Academy and my interview with Eric Shigela. Hi, this is Jethro. The information you're about to watch is from the school visits that we did as part of the research about creating a K-12 magnet in Fairbanks North Star Borough School District. To learn more about that, go to k12northstar.org slash k12magnet and sign up for the mailing list, see the resources that are already there, and I'd love to chat with you more about that. That's k12northstar.org slash k12magnet hi this is jethro today i'm going to talk to you about the vista innovation and design academy this school is located in vista california and we didn't get a lot of pictures of this one because we just were able to swing in and chat with the principal for a bit so this is another school where the focus is on design thinking and the uh, teachers use design thinking to help Make everything work in the school. So, uh, let's talk a little bit about their. This is a magnet school, and their theme is to nourish the creative thinking skills of students and approach learning through the well renowned design thinking process that will empower students to take what they have learned and apply those skills to create non traditional solutions to yesterday's, today's, and tomorrow's problems. So, this school takes a design thinking approach and a project based learning approach. So, the focus, the vision of the school is we envision sending our students into the world with a creative confidence to solve meaningful problems with empathetic and innovative responses. They'll be prepared with the skills, mindsets, and dispositions necessary to successfully thrive in the future. So, they have what is called gills or core values the grit to persevere, never giving up, innovation through design, prototyping solutions, learning through empathy, seeking to understand others. Leading with integrity, taking pride in doing the right thing, and sparking creativity, honoring imagination. What I really loved about this school was that Eric, the principal, took his staff of uh, 40 teachers, and when they became a magnet school from being one of the worst performing and worst culturally schools in the district, they were able to, when they became a magnet school, they gave every teacher the option to leave and only one teacher left, and everybody else stayed. So this is a good example of a school who takes what they are doing already, takes the environment that they're in, and then works together as a school community to change that. And that is all because of culture, according to Eric, the principal. They've done a ton of work on empathy, on gaining empathy, and teaching kids how to have empathy for others, which is really important. And Eric also sent me a bunch of information that I'll be talking about in the future as it relates to different ways to deal with that. So he talked about dialogical interviews, and that is a way to gain empathy. Uh, Stokes from the Stanford D School, which I'll probably be talking about later. And then they created links on the six dimensions of product design. What they found was that students were not able to create high quality work because they didn't have the skills or the know how to do that. And so they had to take some time to do that as well. This school also does a culmination type activity where they take one day and they do a school-wide design challenge day. And that is a, each grade level sixth, seventh, and eighth does their own thing uh, together and pretty cool stuff that they're doing at this school. So the, in sixth grade, they do a design thinking challenge that is very structured and teaching the kids how to do it. In seventh grade, it's a little bit more loose. And then in eighth grade, it's basically just a question and then there but all the kids need to go figure it out on their own. So uh really cool stuff and really enjoyed being able to talk with this principal Eric Shigala and that was a neat experience for us to be able to do that. So that is Vista Innovations and Design Academy. And again grateful we be able to spend just a short time there getting to know that school. Welcome to Transformative Principle. This is episode two hundred fifty-one. I am so excited to have Eric Shigala, the principal of Vista Innovations and Design Academy, uh, on the podcast today. Eric, welcome to Transformative Principle. Thank you.
1: It's great to be here. I appreciate the opportunity.
0: Well, I'm so excited to talk to you because I met you in person at a last-minute visit to your school, and it was fantastic and awesome. And so I'm so pleased to be able to talk to you at length now. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So, one of the things that I found so fascinating about your school, and then I read about it in uh, Learner Centered Innovation by Katie Martin after you suggested that I read about it, was the idea that your school changed to be a magnet school and you didn't lose any staff. You started with all those same teachers, and getting teachers to change is one of the biggest challenges in education. So can you talk to us about how you actually made that happen?
1: Yeah, so I think one of the interesting things about our story is it's an actual true school transformation. I think sometimes a lot of people talk about school transformation and they talk about the new building they got or um, hiring a brand new founding faculty or starting with a brand new set of students. And so what's exciting for us is we had a group of students who were matriculating through and we kept them. And the teachers who were at the old school that we transformed from um, stayed all but one. And we were able to bring three new people on board. And so, you know, we did it with same kids, same teachers, same place. And the the way that we really worked around that was, you know, I, I would say in one word, culture of really having a common vision for what our hopes and aspirations for children could be. And then figuring out a way using the design thinking process to actually get there. And what we discovered in using the design thinking process that that helped us gel together as a community. But we also discovered that that was a kick-ass way in pedagogy that we should be using with kids. And so that laid the foundation for change that we wound up doing for kids in our community. Yeah. And listeners of this podcast have heard a lot about the design thinking
0: process for quite some time. And so what is... The difference between using the design thinking process in business and how you used it in your school with the students that you're working and the teachers you're working with.
1: I think it's a good question. The difference between implementation in business and in education, I don't think there is any because the the major focus that you're looking for with any human centered design, um, particularly design thinking, is all around user needs. And so while we're not seeking to create a profit and make a profit. What we are doing is trying to create value and add value for and within the community. So when we're looking at identifying who our users are and what their needs are and doing some really um, deep dives around empathy and some true ethnographic work where we're finding a wide swath of users from parents to students to the neighbors who live across the street. To the district supervisors, to everyone involved with transformation and really getting deep insights into their perspectives and their wants and even their unstated needs. One of the things that we thought about with design thinking a lot was sort of the Steve Jobs idea of if you ask people what they wanted when they're, when they're envisioning the iPod, they never would have said, I want 10,000 songs in my pocket. And so, you know, one of those. Beautiful techniques and insights from design thinking is, is you listen deeply and you read between the lines for what people are asking for because they, they will often say, I want this because they've heard of it or they've seen it or they can imagine it. Um, But what is it that they haven't imagined that we can help provide based on deep listening? Okay. That's awesome. And I've got a a lot of questions. So what
0: we are, looking for then is how do we help them find what they have not imagined so how do you do that and get it so that they actually can see that so let me give a little background to why i'm asking that question how i am so we're in the process of designing this k-12 magnet school from the ground up what's it going to look like and all that kind of stuff and we're only talking about the instructional model because we're not building a new building or anything like that so how do you get people to to ask those questions, to listen deeply, and then to see things that people have not imagined yet?
1: Awesome. Great question. We have about a thousand educational visitors come through our school every year and everybody's seeking something different. But the common theme that they all have is they, they want to do better for and by kids. And the reason why they're coming or they're going to High Tech High or other places throughout the country is... They're looking for exposure. And so they're trying to gain understanding about what may exist in different capacities. So, as we're doing deep listening and um, really being empathetic to the users, they're sharing sort of what they can imagine from the perspective that they have. And then I think it's important for the job of the um, designers of the school experience, instruction or otherwise, to have. A really vast set of exposures that they can take what they're hearing from people, and they have a deeper context and perspective to understand like what that might look like or what it might be. And that's not just visiting schools. I don't think um, one of the things that we did is there's only so many hours in the day, and so we stopped reading about education stuff. Yeah, a rehatching of what people have been talking about on and on and on and on again. And so we started reading and focusing on things from industry. So the subscriptions we have on campus are um, Harvard Business Review and Fast Company and Wired and Inc. And so the podcast we start listening to from Seth Godin and um, Daniel Pink and other things that are outside the context of education. But the things that they're talking about are very applicable to what we're seeking, and so when we're listening to what people were talking about, we had a, a vast swath of things to plug that into, and that helped with our development.
0: Yeah, I think that that is so important, and that's a shift that I've seen in myself over the past couple of years. Of even though I'm doing an education podcast, don't unsubscribe and don't stop listening because this is still good stuff. But as I'm doing this, I'm also spending more time in other areas. Trying to see how other people do things differently because education then becomes an echo chamber where, you know, you, you get a group of educators together and all they can see is what we've always done in education. And it's not, it's not saying anything negative about those people, but that's what their experience and their perspectives are. And it, it's just so important to have varied and different perspectives. And that's, that's where I'm struggling and why I'm so fascinated by your story is that you didn't take brand new people and pull them out of industry and put them in your school. You were dealing with the people that were right in front of you. So aside from uh, looking at and subscribing to different things, how else did you get people to see things differently than they were currently seeing them?
1: I would say through discussion, reading, um, our core group did do a little bit of travel to places. I went to Apple. I met with some people from Google. As we developed, we de- we formed a really good relationship with Qualcomm, um, which is located in San Diego. A lot of people haven't necessarily heard of Qualcomm, but if you have a cell phone, then you're touched by Qualcomm, literally. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think a lot of it was just the the mindsets of the, that founding leadership team. Um, we couldn't have done anything without them. They're really the big vision and push to be able to Um, translate the, what we were hearing from students in the community into what was happening in industry and what the the future is holding and what, what we wanted. And some of that was experienced from the husbands of the teachers who are on it, who are engineers and are seeing things happen out in industry and the changes that are taking place. So it, it didn't have to be, I'm not reading the right magazine all the time, or I don't know anyone in industry. It could be, conversations around the dinner table or those spouses coming to a happy hour that uh, several of us were at in um, conversations that start from there. Um, looking at places like IDO, creative firms that touch education sector and they touch the business sector, but they're um, based on creativity and not necessarily sales per se. So I just, one of the things that we think about with our student population and also with our ideas is the diversity of it and thinking about things like an, an ecosystem, and then more diverse an ecosystem is, and the more inputs and layers there are, the healthier it is. And so that, I think that would really summarize our research and discovery phase. Okay, so how long was the process for Vida to come into fruition from
0: what it was before? And was it like over the summer you guys made this change or you started a year ahead and then you implemented the the following year? What did that look like?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because we're, we're really proud of it. I came into the old school in February 2013. And I was the third principal of that school year. So we spent the spring just kind of smiling at each other and getting to know each other. When we came back the following fall, so fall 2013, we started on a year long journey of trying to figure out what would a new school be? What would it look like gathering, doing that deep empathy work? And going through the entire process of, okay, how does that deep empathy work turn into what we want to do? How does what we want to do turn into a theme? How does a theme turn into a name? And how does that name start attracting kids by January of the next year? And then we opened um, August, 2014. So our team, they taught all day at the old school. And then they worked in the afternoons and evening. Going through, sifting through stories and information, researching, um, trying to figure out what things would put all the pieces together. And they worked for an entire school year. And um, we opened the next year with no, no break, no transition, nothing. How
0: fascinating. That just sounds like a monumental task.
1: It was. I've, I've never been so amazed and inspired by the hardworking commitment of professionals as I was with what our teachers were able to do in such a short amount of time. yeah. And to, and to go from a school where literally nobody really wanted to come, enrollment was way down. And um, within three years, we had 900 to 1,000 people applying for 250 spots at the school.
0: Wow, that's, that's quite the turnaround. And, and so talk a little bit about what your instructional model and your practices are at your school Currently, what did you change into? And I know that it's still under construction and that's part of the design thinking process is that it's never completed, right? And so, you know, you've, you've changed since August 2014. You're not the exact same school doing the exact same things and you've adjusted and grown and you shared some of that before. But what is the basis of, of what you're trying to do now as opposed to what you're doing before?
1: That's a good question. The core that we've always tried to do is be centered around design thinking. And if you think about the design thinking process, that doesn't necessarily translate very well into pedagogy just in and of itself, because it's very nebulous. And so what we did, and this, and this is going back, you know, our planning year was six years ago now. So design thinking and education was even was, was not a common thing. People now, when people come through, everyone's sort of heard of it. But back then it was. We were Googling for lesson plans on design thinking, and there wasn't anything, even on paid teacher sites. Yeah. So what we did was we crafted, we, we needed a, a framework, a pedagogical framework to lay it upon. And so we used PBL, project-based learning, and we got trained by Buck Institute for Education. And then that gave us the framework and the skeleton to insert the design thinking process into. And how the evolution of things was, well, in mathematics, PBL is is hard to do uh, on as, as regular basis as it is in humanities. It's, it's harder. And so math started moving towards this idea of what about problem-based learning and using that as the framework for implementing design thinking. And then um, we're a digital promise school. And Digital Promise is really supportive and um, behind challenge-based learning. And so then we have these ideas and suppositions around okay, so what if we post things as challenges? Maybe that fits really well with design thinking. And now where we're at is we've actually developed our own pedagogy. And it is called DBL because the world needs more acronyms in education. But it stands for <laughs> design-based learning. And so what that what design-based learning has done is it's It's taken the important precepts that we had from project-based learning, but also it's taken the deeper learning competencies, and it's taken the attributes of personalized learning, and it's taken the framework of design thinking, and it's it's rooted out the redundancy of things that are talked about again and again between all these different ideas and frameworks and platforms, and it's also deleted the things that we're not ready for or are too much for the teachers to try and tackle. And so we've developed our own framework at this point. And um, beyond that, we're developing an overlay to that, to, to design-based learning. It's called DBL little E for layering on the actions and attitudes of what entrepreneurs would have and how does that play into our pedagogy and developing those skills within kids to get them ready for the gig economy that 30 million Americans are already a part of. That is very little... Very rarely talked about in education,
0: yeah totally and that and that's a the piece where where that gig economy is what I'm really trying to do at my school right now where we have this thing called synergy and students are able to create their own little businesses and uh, nonprofits and service organizations and all this kind of stuff and they do that there within that two hour time block twice per week at my school right now and it's really fascinating to see how some kids are totally ready for that and get it. And other kids just have no idea what's going on. And so how, how are you helping educate the kids in this different way of thinking and how school can be different along with the teachers? And obviously you're attracting kids. And so you're doing things to make them see the benefit. What, is, what does that look like?
1: I think one of the biggest things is the narrative that we share about the experience that kids get when they come here. So we're the Vista Innovation Design Academy. It's, uh, the acronym is VITA. In Spanish, and so remember, we're located in Southern California, so large influence around the Spanish language. In Spanish, VITA, our acronym means life. And in Spanish, the word school is translated to escuela. And so we talk about this narrative of if we, if we wanted to be about school, we would have named ourselves a Escuela, but we don't want to be about school. We want to be about our life and how this fits into who we are in our future. And so therefore we called ourselves Vita. And this narrative plays over again and again and again with everything that we do and how we talk about ourselves in the community. And I think at the end of the day, It's not design thinking necessarily that sets us apart. And it's not that we have, you know, a PBL like structure. What sets us apart is, is our narrative. This is not school. That is bullshit. You can't just show up for seven and a half hours and think that you're going to be impacted in a positive way that will change your life. It has to be 24 hours a day. And this is one of the inputs of many. That helped to set you apart from everybody else. Yeah,
0: man. I love, I love that idea that it's when school becomes something besides school, then it doesn't become school anymore. And school is think, uh, is thought of as this. uh, If you saw that Prince EA video that he released at the beginning of the year, that six cruel hours of our lives that we call school, that, that idea is not the same anymore. It is, it is different. And school doesn't become a chore. It doesn't become a hassle. It doesn't become a thing that you're compulsed to do. You choose to do it because it has meaning and impact in your life. Can you share some of the stories of kids who have been impacted and things that you've seen where, you know, they didn't have a shot before and now they've are they grown in ways that you just can't even imagine?
1: Yeah. I I mean, it's prolific. Something that I would point to and I could even share this resource with you if you wanted, is our first year. So we had kids who were matriculating through from the old school through the new school because we didn't want to displace kids. We didn't want to displace teachers or staff or anyone. What we did is we found some of the kids who had struggled the most at the old school and who had become stars amongst the clouds in the new school just after a year. And we asked them for permission to sort of tell their story a little bit on video. And we've shown that video all over the country. They're called our turnaround kids. And it's a small sampling of them, um, all from poverty, some from special education, some second language. And they, from in their own words, they talked about the difference. And you can see in, especially if you knew them beforehand, to listen to the tone of their voice and to see their eyes and their mannerisms going from being super tough and, you know, helping be those who control um, the attitude of the old school to being vulnerable and open and caring about what they had experienced is really remarkable for us. And, you know, there's, as with, as with a lot of schools, you know, there's always the great stories of kids who have been turned around. And I think for us that that initial class is our greatest story.
0: Yeah, that is super exciting. Now, what I believe about education is that the, if education is done right, it opens kids up to limitless potential that we can't even fathom. And if education is done wrong, there's an achievement gap. There's um, continued segregation and all that kind of stuff. And. It sounds like these turnaround kids stories that I do hope you'll share and I'll put them in the show notes at transformativeprincipal.org slash episode 251. Those kids really sound like they are the result of doing school well for those particular students. And we should do school well for every single one of our kids, but it doesn't always happen that way. And and it sounds like this is a way to ensure that, that you do do it well for every single kid.
1: Yeah. And one of the, one of the things we talk about is that we believe that schools have the power to either perpetuate or to change the status quo of a neighborhood. And when you're working with, um, we, when we opened, we had over 90, 90% students from poverty. Now we're at about 40% students from poverty and, um, which is still big numbers. And one of the things in this video that I will share with you one of the things that one of the students said is now our teachers care about us. And that, that sinks in a lot to us because the teachers didn't care any more um, under the new school than the old school. I think what really he was noticing is the opportunities had changed and the way the classes were run. And um, the learning experience was so different that he interpreted that as now they care about us. You know, no longer being in rows, in worksheet hell, stuck in failed intervention after failed intervention, but having opportunity to explore the world and to work in collaborative groups and to pursue challenging tasks that were of interest, that, that attached more to the strengths and the values and the interests of the students. But that's what he was really feeling. Because the teachers cared just as much before as after.
0: Yeah, that is so true. And um, teachers work so stinking hard. They don't always work smart in that their expectations of the work they're trying to do is not necessarily having the impact that they want it to. But I haven't met a teacher yet who doesn't work hard to have an impact on kids. But a lot of times kids don't think that their teachers care about them because of the work that they have to do in that class. And I think that that story really powerfully illustrates exactly how the shift has happened and what makes it so powerful. So I know you got to run and I want to respect your time. The last question I ask is what is one thing that a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you, Eric,
1: to love the hell out of every single person, every single day.
0: That sounds great. So Eric, how do people connect with you and learn more about what you're doing at Vita? How do they? Yes.
1: Oh, so, uh, main way is probably Twitter. So I'm at Dr. Shigala D-R-C-H-A-G-A-L-A. Our school is at Vida Sharks, V-I-D-A-S-H-A-R-K-S. And our school website is uh, VidaSharks.com. Awesome. I think those are the best. Ways. Okay. Yeah.
0: Cool. Eric, thank you so much for your time. This has been awesome. And I loved being in your school, seeing some of the things that you were doing. So Thank you for sharing this with the transformative principle.
1: Absolutely, thank you for the time. I appreciate it. That was a really powerful
0: interview and I think the most powerful thing from that is now our teachers care about us. Man, isn't that just sad? I mean, I know how much my teachers care about my students and how much every teacher I've met cares about her students and yet and those teachers, I'm sure, were no different. They cared about their students. But these students saw that now their teachers care about them. I hope that resonates with you. And thank you again for listening to Transformative Principle. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And again, this is all part of a series where we are exploring the schools that I visited and that I'm learning from as we research and design a K-12 magnet school and try to figure out what that could look like. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to share this with someone That would be interested in it. Do you want to simplify your school's technology? Save teachers' time? Improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute.